Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. I want to welcome folks who are online as well as we begin a, a three-week Bible study entitled um, Convert, Conversations with Conversations with Jesus, and this morning we're going to look at a, a conversation that our Lord had with a young man who had some just interesting questions of um, Jesus and his conversation with him. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word this morning, may it serve us as a mirror, perhaps, to look at our own life. If your word is there to comfort us, we rejoice in that. If your word is there to challenge us, we rejoice in that. If your word is there to convict us, may we be convicted as well. I ask you to indeed be with us this day. Let your word touch our hearts. We pray in our Lord's name. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome all of you, all of you, to our worship, our our Bible study. Um, We're going to look at um, a conversation with a materialist this morning. Um, It's a conversation that that Jesus had with a a young man from um, Mark. It's in Mark 10, starting in verse 17. Um, Let me ask this question. How would you define a materialist? How would you define a materialist? Someone who wants a whole bunch of things. Okay, somebody who wants a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, The follow-up question to that is, why is it perhaps easy to be a materialist, especially today? There's so much out available. Okay, it's available. Maybe it programs you to be. Yeah, you watch television, and you and and you've got to have you've got to have all those all of those things. Um, The materialist puts a lot of value into having those things. Okay. All right. A materialist puts a lot of value into having having things. And puts a lot of their value. They kind of measure their value by... How much they have. Okay. Mm -hmm. They measure their value by how much they have. To keep up with the Joneses, that old old expression. Um, And also, they measure their happiness, I think, by Mm -hmm. what they have. Okay. Their happiness is determined by their their things. All right, let's look look at this this account and read that. Um, And... um, then we can talk about it and discuss it. Anybody, Pete, you want to read, um, starting in verse 17? Okay. Read it, read it all the way through. Okay. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. 
Honor your father and mother. The teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. But one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Let me ask you, what, what jumps out at you is in this, just to begin with, as you read it, what... What is of interest to you? What what jumps out? Well, how hard it is for the rich to enter. That seems to be a pretty broad brush okay. of stroke because, uh, well, you look at uh, someone as wealthy as the Gates, and yet they, they seem to have a heart for philanthropy okay. and, and helping. Now, of course, that doesn't reflect on you know, their, their relationship with, with Christ. All right. But it it certainly shows that we've got so much we feel the obligation to return. Okay. Okay. What else, Jumps? Well, in the beginning, Jesus sets the tone by saying, no one is good except my Father in heaven. And then, you know, he strikes out at something that we all grew up with thinking, well, not all of us, but I grew up in a, in a different denomination, and I, there was a big emphasis on works, and getting you to heaven, and and of course this young man says, I've kept all the commandments, I do everything that's necessary, but then Jesus gives him that the ultimatum, which is actually for all of us, and that is, how much are you really willing to surrender? Okay. And and so that this passage always hits me like that, because I know that it's very difficult to totally surrender, at least in this lifetime, but that's certainly what... Jesus is looking for us to increase every day through his help and his power. All right. Okay, Lynn? Um, I, I am touched by Jesus looking at him and loving him. Okay. After he just had said things that Jesus knew weren't true, that he had kept all the commandments. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't it after that? Yep, yes. yep, and yep. Jesus knew that... <laughs> He hadn't, you know, false witness, and especially if you look at the depth of the commandments, uh, not just murder, but hating somebody. 
All right. But it, even so, Jesus loved him. And Jesus probably knew he wasn't going to go and sell everything. All right. And still he loved him. All right. And, and then the disciples saying they were amazed. Okay. All right. Well, then who can, who can make it? All right. Larry? I think it kind of reveals that the more stuff we have, the less focus we have for God and for others. All right. We're, we're more internalized. All right. The more stuff we have, is our focus is, our focus is different. On um, us and our stuff. Okay. Okay. Other things that jump out at you? It's more than just possessions, because he starts listing off family relationships. Well. All right. That, those, things are, those things are there, all right? But it tells you things are not to do. All right. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that in a, talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I guess what I, I want... I also think it's interesting that he says, Truthfully, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Um, that, that, now he mentions persecution and right. a little bit later, but um, I, I'm guessing he maybe meant being part of, of the church, being part of God's kingdom, that you gain a family, um, I don't know about lands, but, but that's, a, that's kind of a remarkable promise. It is. What's missing there? Compare compare that statement with the first statement. Which first statement? Um, Twenty nine. Jesus replied, "No one who has left um, home, brothers, sisters, mothers, or father, or children, or fields, or me for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times in this present age." And then look at the list of the things that, that he received. What's missing? Fields and stuff. No, that's there. There, fields is there. But that's not in the list of what they receive a hundredfold, is it? Fathers. Is Fathers is missing. missing. I, you know, I, I don't know why father is missing, and unless he is, you know, making an assumption that the ultimate father you have. Is God? He, he I, I don't know. The, the father is the one that's missing. Or right? somebody just left it out. Or somebody just left it out. <laughs> I don't know. But father is missing um, from you know from that one. All right, let's look at this a little bit. This um, this incident is recorded you know three times in, in three of the in three of the gospels. Um, what do you normally title this this incident? Okay, the rich young ruler. That's how it's. That's how it's. Mine says man. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, because here it says man. You have no no idea that he's young, nor do you have any idea that he's a ruler. In, in the in the text, you mean? Yeah, in the text. In Luke, he's called the ruler, and in Matthew, he's called young. And it's the same incident, the same conversation in both of those Gospels. But um, in, in this one, he's just called a man. A man came up to Jesus. 
And in in Luke, he's called a a a ruler. And in um, Matthew, he's called the young. And we all put it together. We call him the rich young ruler. Um, obviously, he's a they're saying making an assumption. He's a man. What do you think of the man's question to begin with? What do you think of his question to begin with? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do you think of that question? I think you're looking for an easy way out. Looking for an easy way out. Um, okay. What else? He gave credit to Jesus, figuring that I only ask you this because you probably have the answer. Okay. I, I think he did. He recognized Jesus as being an authority, sure. Um, he, he says he fell on his knees. Um, that must indicate, you know, holding Jesus, I think, in some high, in some highest, uh, high esteem. Um, well, the whole basis for his question was misplaced when he says, um, what must I do okay. to yeah. inherit eternal life? Yeah, he was saying, we don't believe we can do anything. All right. You know what we, you know, I think what he is, he is doing is an indication of, um, you know, his life on a balance. Have, have I done more good than I've done bad? Um, you know, I have to somehow, somehow I can do enough to inherit eternal, eternal life. You know, it's, it, it, you know, it's that kind of, um, you know, that's, it, that's well, didn't Martin it. Luther struggle with that as well? Mm-hmm. That he had to do something oh, yeah. to inherit, right. you know, to right. be saved. Right. Well, and, and I think that, Larry? Right. Well, at that time, the belief was that rich people had to be uh, liked by God because that's why they were rich, because he was blessing them. Yeah, very, very, very much so. And, I, and I'll, you know, come to that in a little bit. That is... Is, is is ultimately true. And, you know, and we hear today, um, you know, as a, as a pastor, um, you know, I've heard it, you know, I've heard it at funerals, um, in converse, you know, conversation, you know, Mrs., you know, Mrs. Jones, she was such a wonderful, you know, a wonderful person. She was so good, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and because of all that she has done and all because she's so good, um, you know, she'll certainly go. You know, she'll certainly go to heaven. Um, that whole idea of work righteousness—you hear that. Um, you hear it over and over and and over again. Um, and this was this was his thinking. What must I do? You know, I, as if I could do something to inherit and receive e- eternal life. Well, he treats it as a commodity with the question. Yeah. You know, what do I have to do to get into the gold market? Or what do I have to do to get, to get a ship? Right. Okay. So uh, is it just something else that, because I'm wealthy, I, I can, obviously I can get. There's, there's no indication of humility. Okay, no indication of humility. Um, I'm going to even ask, you know, um, why, do you, why do you think he even asked that question? He was still missing something in his life. He was missing. Maybe he wanted some kind of assurance, yeah. you know, from, you know, you know, is, is there something, 
you know, else that I have to do. Um, you know, he maybe maybe was thinking in terms of um, uh, I've done a lot, but you know, is there something that I'm missing? I, well, Jim said before that um, people find their happiness in materialism. Um, and, and truthfully, that's not true because, you know, they think they will, just one more thing, and that, that'll make me happy. If I just get a little more, there's always this emptiness, I think. So maybe, maybe that's what. You know, I, I wonder, yeah, and I wonder if this was really, a, you know, a, a sincere question. Um, that he, that this man, you know, just really wanted to know. He really wanted to know, you know, have I failed in, in some way that, that I can correct, perhaps? Um, and, and, the other, and the other, you know, possibility is, did he come up there, did he come up with a, come to Jesus with a chip on his shoulder and just want a pat on the back? Um, he fell on his knees. I, yeah. I, I, think I, I think too. I think, too. That would be my impression, you know, as well. I, I think he was sincere, perhaps sincere. Um, you know, have I failed, Lord, in some point, and can you tell me where I have failed? Huh? Was it, I think it was St. Augustine who said um, that we were created with a God-shaped hole, and we will search our whole lives through until we can fill that God-shaped hole. And the only thing that will fill a God-shaped hole is God. Okay. Um, so these material things just didn't, didn't do, do it, it, do it do all it. the way for him. Right. This, this is sort of a question. Sure. Because I'm, I don't know, like the whole Old Testament, but um, so isn't Jesus pretty much the author of eternal life? I mean, it's Jesus who's going to bring, only Jesus. Correct. Who can bring eternal sure. life. So, um, I was just wondering, do you think this was, this whole thing was a new, you know, a whole new concept of eternal life? I'm not sure it was a whole new concept to him. Um, because the Old Testament also talks Does it? very much about, yes, right. very much about e- e- eternal life. And, and people, well, let, let me just stop there. So, yes. Yes, the Old Testament certainly does, you know, talk about that as, you know, as but well. But isn't that always through Jesus? Yes, it is. Um, and I'm going to say through the Old Testament and New Testament, eternal life is received by trusting and believing in the promises of God. Whether, whether you're Old Testament, New Testament, you are saved the same way by trusting and believing and have faith in the promises that God makes to us. And that's how Old Testament people were saved, as well as, as New Testament um, you know, people are but saved. But even at Jesus' time, weren't there different sects? Of the, I don't remember the Sadducees and the... Right. Who, some of them thought there was eternal life and some of them didn't. The Sadducees had no, had no belief that there was a life after, after that. So he was in a society that the fact that he even thought, thought there was eternal yes. life was something. Yes, very, very much so. Let me ask you this. Okay, so he asks this question, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do you think of Jesus' answer, Larry? 
I think first off, he's assuming that he's in control of where his eternal life is going to be for him. Yeah. He's just getting advice from God, but, or from Jesus, but he can do it on his own. Yeah. He I, knows what the answer yeah. is. Again, I think it I, I believe that this was a very sincere question, that he, that he wanted to know, you know, was he missing something? You know, is there perhaps something that, that I have not done that I, that I could possibly do? You know, am I missing, am I missing some point at this point? Yeah. I just noticed this that kind of goes against, he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what must I do is one attitude, but inheriting is you don't have anything to do. You know, inheriting is grace, right? I mean, it's just something that is given to you, an inheritance. Oh, yeah, but we, we give inheritance to only our good kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't, or at least here it doesn't say, earn. Um, what must I do to earn, earn eternal, eternal life or to gain eternal right. life? Right. Yeah, he, I think we have, we have to be careful not to read too much into this and just deal with the surface facts because it reminds me of, of a very short poem that we had to study in English class back in, in high school. And it was something about a very rich man who had everything, owned the town, ran the business, and then one day went home and shot himself. And the teacher asked the question, so why did he do this? And everybody offered up all the things about, well, he had everything, he was this, that. And the, the only true answer was, we don't know. We don't know. All we have are the, the facts here that this man came. We don't know what his motivation was. It's just he asked the question. He might have been very, very sincere. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's his response to having been told, here's what you need to do. Okay. That... Uh, I think sets the tone for us. All right. Let me ask this, though. Um, what do you think of Jesus' answer to him? He comes up and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus say? I think he cuts right to the quick. He knew. All right. Well, it's work righteousness. There is something you can do. Go sell everything and give it to the poor. That, we wouldn't buy that. What do you, yeah, what, has Jesus forgotten grace, uh, Larry? I think what he's trying to do is saying, your God is your wealth. Okay. And, and you're supposed to, God is supposed to be who you serve, not your, your wealth. Or who you love the most. You know, you know I'm thinking now as, as a pastor, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? My response would be, as a pastor, there's nothing you can do to inherit eternal life. It, you get eternal life totally by God's grace. Now that's a good Lutheran response, uh, a good response. Yet Jesus is saying, well, you've got to, what does he say? No, he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus has given him a bunch of things, to, things do. to do. Why didn't Jesus say, there's nothing you can do? Because like any good rabbi, he poses his response in such a way that you have to figure it out yourself, or you're suddenly faced with 
You know the answer. All right. Okay. Okay. What do you notice about the things that Jesus said? He covers a wide spectrum. Well, he covers a, a wide spectrum, yes. But what didn't he put in? What spectrum does he cover? He covers relationships with people. He doesn't mention relationships with God. It's only that second, the second table of the law is, is all that Jesus is, is mentioning, is mentioning there. He's not mentioning relationship with God at all. Just that relationship with people. And, and there are things that, um, maybe this young man really could say sincerely, I didn't murder, I hadn't committed adultery, I haven't stolen, you know, just the surface, the literal, um, I haven't borne false witness, I, have, I honor my father and mother. There are things that he could conceivably say, well, I have kept those. Okay, okay. He yeah. didn't bring up the first commandment. He didn't bring up the he, first No, he did not. But, second. But no, and all right, just even to go into you know further what you, you said, there's nothing positive there in terms um, you know, I've done all of those things. Yes, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. And squeaky clean. Yeah, but you know, when, when Luther gives the definition of all the commandments, it's yeah, I haven't done this. Well, for example, thou shalt not kill. We're not supposed to hurt, you know. Killing, but help and befriend him in every bodily need. It's the. It's not only just the negatives. It's also, you know, the positives. Um, and none of that is, you know, not not none of that is there. Um, when we think in terms of again Luther's meaning to the commandments, don't bear false witness. We're not supposed to say bad things about people, but on the other hand, we're supposed to build people up verbally. So. All that's here are the, are, are the negatives. Somebody well, this must, was before Luther. I know it was before <laughs> Luther. But, um, but those things are there, you know, as, you know, those things are there as, as well. You know, somebody, you know, somebody said, you know, what is a Christian? You know, a Christian is somebody who, who doesn't steal, who doesn't lie, who doesn't, who, who, you know, who doesn't do this, doesn't do that. And then somebody said, well, what you're saying then is a Lutheran, is, uh, uh, a, a Christian is somebody who is good for nothing. Um, you know, it, there's nothing, nothing positive, um, nothing positive here. There's one thing that Jesus puts here that's not in the commandments. Defraud. Defraud. Well, is that stealing? Yeah, it would be. Um, notice that there isn't coveting. There isn't coveting, and I, and I wonder if this man was just so rich he didn't, didn't need to covet. Um, he may have defrauded people, or, but um, you know, maybe he had everything that he, he didn't covet anything from, from, any, from anybody. But do notice that there's, there, there's nothing positive um, there. It's, uh, until he gets to the meat of the matter. Until he gets to the meat of the matter. And, you know, what commandments are missing? All of the ones that have to do with a relationship with God. With all the ones that have to do with God. Um, Which is a good response, because the question was, was, what must I do? 
Mm-hmm. You can have all the wealth in the world, but it's not going to get you into heaven and you can't take it with you. Okay. Um, let, me, let me jump down to just question 10. Why does Jesus ask this of this man, this young man, and not of, uh, not of others? And I guess what I mean by this is, Jesus, you know, called lots of people to follow him. Um, called, you know, called Matthew to follow him, Peter, James, John. Um, they weren't asked to give up their family. They weren't asked to give up their fishing business necessarily. They weren't asked to give up their boats. They weren't asked to, you know, to, to do those things. There's all, there's lots of indications in the, you know, in in Paul's epistles of of you know rich people who were part of the early of the early church. Um, Nicodemus, uh, you know, you know other people that he never asks. He, he doesn't ask others um, necessarily to sell all that you have and, and, and give it to the poor. Why do you think he asked this man in particular to do that, where he doesn't make that same requirement of, of other people? Or as far as we know, we make that requirement of other people. Each individual is different. You know, and, and has different uh, demons to deal with. Okay. okay. That's probably what this particular man needed to hear. Right. He knew his heart. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, and that's the and that's the and that's the scary thing in a, in a way. You know, if Jesus were not if Jesus were here, he is here. Um, what would he ask of me? Um. You know, to give up, to change, to you know, he he knew he knew this man. He zeroed in on this man's this man's heart, this where this man's need was, or what this man was putting his trust in, or whatever, and um, and, and zeroed in and zeroed in on that um, in, a, in a very in a very very real way. Um, yeah, Larry. I think it's the same issue we struggle with today. We all want to add God and religion to our life. God wants us to focus our life on Him and and put the rest of it in the and on the side. But the focus should be on Him, not how can we add God to what we've already got. Right. Right. You know. If we've got God, we shouldn't worry so much about what else we've got, and we all struggle with that. Okay, sure, sure. And I think it's significant that the things that maybe come and interfere with with our relationship with God can be good things. Um, They can be gifts of God. This man had been blessed by God. There's nothing wrong with money, per se. I'm thinking of family. I think family is, I guess I'm speaking for myself, that can, you know, I can prioritize family, and that's a gift from God. It's just that it's 
you got to be careful the order that it's mm-hmm. in. But I think mo- maybe many of the, maybe most of the things that get in our way of putting God first are things that God gave us in the first place. Okay. I think uh, perhaps uh, the reason he didn't ask this of anybody else that we know of in Scripture is because nobody ever, that I can think of, ever asked that question. Oh, Jesus, must I do? Right. Jesus isn't going to go to a crowd and be preaching and then tell you what you have mm-hmm. to do. You have to be seeking it. Right. Um, verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Um, is that, what does that tell you about this man, do you think? About the man? Yeah, the man. Well, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He was lovable. Lovable? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe Jesus just... He loves us even though we are unlovable. Yeah. Um, Okay. But it it touches my heart that it says that. That even after knowing all these things and hearing his prideful answers, Jesus loved him. It reflects well on Jesus. Yeah, I think so. More yeah. on Jesus than on the man, perhaps. Yeah. I, I thought <clears throat> he, uh, he was pointing the man to himself because uh, up to this point, and a lot of it was a culture like some other folks have mentioned, you know, he's looking at all these examples of what's good in the world. Okay. You know, his riches, uh, he calls him good teacher, and, and he thinks... You know, that that's something a man can be. And Jesus sets him straight right off the bat. No one is good. Right. And and I think Jesus loved him because he's, he's pointing him back at himself. Even though he knew he was going to walk away that day. You mentioned Nicodemus, you know. Nicodemus we don't hear about again after John chapter 3 until after the crucifixion. Right. And there, there he is again. Right. So right. something that Jesus did for Nicodemus in that meeting in the dark kept him around. Right. And so, I don't Maybe know if that's the answer you No, we don't know the rest yeah. of the story. That's you don't right. know. Um, but he loved him, so there's yeah. a connection there. Well, you know, there, there are times you see in the scripture that um, as people question Jesus, and it says it a number of times, they, they ask these questions to put Jesus to the test. You know, um, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Um, I guess, uh, you know, the, the Pharisees, you know, they were there to, to, to trick Jesus, to, to, you know, put him to the test, to, to um, somehow, uh, I'm gonna, I don't know, criticize him or, or whatever. I really, and, and I don't, and Jeff, yeah, I'll say yes, Jesus loved the Pharisees, the sinners, the, it, it, he, yes, he did. But I, but I wonder if, by putting that phrase in here, um, Jesus recognized that ultimately this man's question was, sinc- was sincere, um, that, he, that this man didn't come up to Jesus to trick him, to put him on the hot seat, to get him in trouble, 
Jesus looked at him and it says, and loved him. That Now maybe the man's response isn't good, but I don't know if he looked at this man as, as an adversary. Here's someone who's really seeking. Yeah, he's, he, here, you know, his intention is, is sincere, where oftentimes the Pharisees and the scribes, their intention was not sincere. They were there to, to put Jesus to the test and to... Jesus, and to um, to uh, um, you know, to to pull Je- to pull Jesus to pull Jesus down. Um, and then the second half of this again: go and sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. That's a I guess it shocked them. But I wonder what was the intent of Jesus in saying those words? What was Jesus' intent in saying those words? You can't do it on your own, maybe. Yeah. To show him he can't do it you know, I, I can't do all of those things. I, there, there's nothing that, you know, maybe it was, I, there's nothing that I can do. Well, he could have done that. But I think he's showing him that um, he's drawing a clear line, which is more important to you, eternal life or your possessions. Right. You, you know, you're going to have to right. choose. Yeah. And... Um, all from what we know. Well, I, you know, I think of, you know, we we think in terms of the law having, you know, serving a couple of a couple of functions, and that if you honestly look at the law, if you honestly look at the Ten Commandments, both the positive part as well as the negative parts, um, I, I think one of that one of the functions of the law is to is to serve as a mirror. I look in that, and I see myself as a person who has just not kept the law. And there's nothing that I can do to be good enough to earn eternal life. And, and, and I wonder if, 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 if Jesus throws that, that part of the law up, Hopefully the man would come to the conclusion there's nothing that I can do. And and I think that's one of the functions that the law has for us. There's nothing I can do. I have to depend totally on the grace of God. I cannot I cannot keep I cannot keep the law. And that's one of the functions. That's one of the functions of the law to serve as a mirror for us to, to look at it. And to see ourselves for what we really for what we really are. We are in need of God's grace. There's nothing I can do to inherit eternal life. Facts of the story also seem to indicate that the man is, is trying to strike a balance of his worldly success with success with God. And he's not seeing the success he has as gifts from God. Uh, and there's there's nothing that to me, that it says 
He's showing thankfulness. It's he's showing ownership. I've got it. It's mine. Hang on to it, as opposed to saying, "Give up what uh, God has blessed you with." Okay. No, no. Right. Yeah. Very, very, very much. Very, very much so. Um, and we got to the question: Why does Jesus ask this of this young man and not of others? Um, you know. Again, I think Jesus knew where this man's hope lied and um, was trying to, you know, show him that there's no hope in what you're, in what you're putting your confidence in. Um, and as you said earlier, it, it's the same question he asks each yeah. one of us, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're truly interested. Yeah. You know, very, very much so. Um, if you look then at verse 23 to, 20, to 27, um, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. Why do you think the disciples were amazed at his words? And, and I, Larry, you said something about it before. Well, the disciples believed that wealthy people were blessed by God, too. Right. Yeah. Um, There's one more difference, I think, between this man and the other man. He was probably in his own little world. All the other people that God encountered were of the, mostly of the poorer pot, poorer people who, who knew the struggles of the other poor people. And they weren't looking down and thinking, my perfect world is... You know, I don't need to associate with them. I'm up at this level. I don't have to go down to their level. Okay. The other people are, are down at that level. All right. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a um, a a common belief in 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 those days that if you were wealthy, if you were well off, that was a sign of God's approval of you. That God blessed people who. He approved, uh, um, you know, he, he approved um, of. And so then, why would it be so difficult for, um, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? If, if God has shown how, how much he favors you by, by blessing you with, with wealth. I, and I think this is why the disciples were even, you know, it says the disciples were amazed at that. That was the common thought in, in society, of, you know, at that time, that... If you're blessed, and you're rich, and you're well-to-do, therefore God must favor you. And that was the, the, the common thought of that, of that day. Well, the disciples, I think, were still laboring under the misapprehension of, of Jesus. Um, you know, they're the ones who ask, let me sit on your right hand and your left hand. They thought the kingdom of God was going to be one of power and... Um, and with power comes wealth. I, I, I just think they were enmeshed in that okay. um, un- misunderstanding of what the kingdom of God was going to be like. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, 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 you know, and I wonder if that, in that thought, even creeps into society, you know, today. 
in some, you know, in some respects, um, in some respects. Um, they ask, they, you know, this, this little thing about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of God. People tried to figure out what that, what that means. Um, uh, any thoughts? People, people have people have said, well, there was a a, a, a gate in in Jerusalem called the Camel's Gate, and um, or or yeah, that he could, couldn't go under. And I think nobody has found that that's true, or that. Um, that I think Jesus is just making a, a just a real hyperbole here. That's just a. Is me pointing again back to it has to be because of a relationship with God. Right. Because with man, it's impossible. Right. Right. So yeah. He's pointing back. Yeah. You're not going to go to heaven unless you have a relationship. Relationship with God. That's yes. Very, 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 very much so. Um, and then they and then they ask that you know they ask that question. Um, uh, who then can be saved? And you know the the disciples. You you think they have it all together? You think they? Oh, oh we don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think their thinking is something like this. It says, if this decent, God fearing, law abiding man who has been blessed so much by God. If he can't be saved, who can? Because again, that was the that would have been the the way society the society thought um, for all intents and purposes. This man, you know, feared God. He tried to keep the commandments. He was well to do. He must have been blessed by God. And if this good guy can't be saved, who can be? Who can be? That might be the, some reason why Peter followed up with this question. It's either one of fear or looking for a justification, too, because he says, well, if he can't make it, we left everything for you. Or is it, my gosh, we left everything. We think, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's Peter who asks. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Moment, Sorry, Peter. <laughs> well, listen, I, I think Peter gets a bum rap off. You know, oftentimes that uh, poor Peter is, you know, ask those, you know, ask those questions. You know, I and I, I, I say that um, because, well, for example, here in in, in Mark, um, well, and all the disciples were there, so a lot of the things that Peter did wouldn't be known unless Peter would have admitted it to people that he did them. Um, I think in terms of. Um, uh, you know, Peter denying Christ three times in the you know in the garden. You know, Peter kept could have kept that secret. He didn't have to tell anybody that he denied Christ three times. He was basically there alone. Um, nobody would have known that he did it. But probably as he then became a, an evangelist and ministered in the early church, you know, he must have told congregations. But didn't he deny Jesus in the courtyard where Jesus was being um, mm-hmm. tried? Yes, yes. And there were witnesses there. 
Mm. But not disciples. Not, not disciples. Not, not, wasn't John there? John was, yes. And you think John spilled the beans? Let me tell you something about know, Peter. You know, let me tell you what Peter did. But I, but, I, but I can see, you know, I can see Peter um, talking to, you know, talking to people as he would witness to his faith. Um, let me tell you something. How you know something terrible that I did. Yeah, you know, let me tell you something. I did something so terrible, and yet God still loves me. Jesus still loves me. Um, you know, and you often hear that. Um, I'm going to say, I I don't know if it's evangelists or whatever people. You know, at one point in my life, I was a you know I was I was a drug addict, and I my life was you know horrendous, and I did this and this and this and. Um, and, and God loves me. I, you know, I have faith in my Lord, and I, He has for, He has forgiven me. And um, I say there were times as a pastor, I say, gee, I wish I would have been a drug addict at one point in time, so that I could make a confession like that and share my, you know, share my testimony. So I think, you know, with Peter, I can hear him telling people that I did this horrible. And even if Peter didn't spill the beans, or John, so if we're saying all all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it might have been the Holy Spirit who ratted him out and said, "Let me tell you, <laughs> Peter, you better write that down." Right? <laughs> well, we know. Well, for example, um, Mark, the writer, of the, the writer of the Gospel, got most of his information apparently from Peter. Um, so Peter had, you know, Peter had to tell him. I did this horrendous thing. Um, so I did well, this. and in order to be transformed, you have to have done. You have to right. be transformed right. by something. Right, right. It's not as good as very much your new life. Very, very much so. So I, you know, I, again, I, you know, I think ultimately here, um, as Jesus brings these things up and brings up and brings up the law, um, its its main function was to serve as a mirror. For this man to see that he hasn't done everything that the law demands. And the ultimate response is, there's nothing I can do to inherit eternal life. Because I have not kept, you know, I have not kept the law. And I need God's grace and I need God's forgiveness. Now we're told that this man left. He fell on his face. He went away sad because he had great wealth. I wish we knew the rest of the story. Um, you know, did he ultimately return? Did he ultimately come back um, and and find the and find the right way? So, um, and again, what would he? You know, what would Jesus point to in our life? To remind us that yeah, there's nothing. And I don't. I'm not sure it's that because he had great possessions. Um, we don't have to have great possessions if Jesus told us sell everything you have. You know, even if it were a lot, that would be hard. It would be hard. It would be hard. Um, um, well, it's also a test of faith too, you know, because you figure if I give. Everything away. That, that's what he's you saying. Know, I, how am I going to eat? I'm going to take care of my Where family. am I going to sleep? You know, how am I going to take care of the family? Family, sure. Yeah. And that, that's where 
You know, if you don't recognize what you have as a gift from God, you know, and have thanks, you figure if you give it all away, God's still going to provide for you. But, but that's got to be the test of faith. It's tough. Well, you've got to be sure God's really telling you that. I, I don't think that me reading this should, uh, that it would be right to say that God's saying that to us. I don't, you know what I mean? That that he's telling each of us to go sell everything. Right. I don't think that would be an accurate reading of Right. That's what the early church did. They sold everything. Well, they did. They did, yeah, Larry. They did, Larry. They, they yeah, they did. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Any of you familiar with the Kennedy evangelism plan? Um, it was it was um, Pastor Kennedy was a, a um, Presbyterian pastor down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and um, the Kennedy evangelism plan was a was a was a program that was first established in his church down down in Florida, and really then expanded throughout the United States. And what he did is he encouraged people, um, he would have two people go door to door um, in, in the community, and as they would then converse with, <clears throat> converse with people, um, what became the bottom line question that he had the callers from his church ask people in the neighborhood or people who they confronted or door to door was was this. Um, number one, do you believe in eternal life? And most people, or do you believe in heaven or eternal life? And most people would say yes. He, and this was and, and then he said, now you have to get to the crux of the question, why should God let you into heaven? And <clears throat> From their response, they would then be able to share the gospel. Because most people would say, well, I try to be a good person. I try to, you know, I, I try to, you know, be a good father, a good wife, a good, you know, do good in the community. And, and then the response was, you know, you can't earn your way into heaven by being good. Um, let me tell you about God's grace and what Jesus has, has done for you, and that was the that was the crux of the you know of the you know of the of the of the program, and you know in a, in a way that's almost what's ha- what's happening, you know here, um, that hopefully Jesus is is revealing to this young man there is, you know nothing you can do. To have eternal life, it's dependent upon you know. It's dependent upon me. Uh, yeah. Did that evangelism plan continue, huh? or did it? Oh, it it did for a long time. You know, this was in the late sixties. the late sixties, early seventies. Kennedy evangelism. Um, you know, you know, plan. You know, times have gotten so so different, Peter. Um, when I was on, when I was did my vicarage, which is our third year of seminary, you spend a year in a congregation before you go out. Um, one of my tasks as a, as a vicar, if there were if there was a visitor who came to to worship, um, 
that following week, I made, I was my, my supervising pastor, I, I made a call on that family with no advance notice. I would, I would go on Tuesday or Thursday evening. I would make a call at 7 o'clock, and I would make a call at 8 o'clock. We had a, it was a congregation that there were a lot, of, a lot of visitors. You never called the family in advance. You never, you never let people know you were coming, but you would make that call. I don't think today, in today's society, you couldn't do that. Um, people would be offended terribly that if you just knocked on their door at 7 o'clock at night and with no advance notice. Um, and maybe that was a time where um, moms didn't work as much or, or whatever. Society was just was different. I think, you know, today, um, you know, Sometimes we think in terms of Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever coming knocking on your door. People don't like that. Um, maybe people were friendlier in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but in the '60s it wasn't that bad, it wasn't that bad of a thing to just to just go unannounced and talk to people. I don't know how that would go over today. Um, society has changed so. Yeah, because we had at that time Billy Graham was going all over the world with these huge crusades. Crusades, right? Yeah, and people understood about that. Right. Yeah, it's society is, you know, society is. I don't think you would be as welcomed. I think when we even make, you know, porch calls here, um, I think you just go. You don't. You're not supposed to go. You're not supposed to go in and talk to people and, you know, or whatever. So, um, society has changed. Whatever happened to that? I thought that program was going to expand. The porch call? Yeah. I don't know. We don't do that anymore? I don't even know. Do we? I, I don't either. I think we still do. We still do it? Because I thought that was a pilot, and then we were going to expand it, and then nothing ever was said about it. I'm not the pastor. I, I know. <laughs> I don't know. asking for information. He does. He does be able to say that. <laughs> All right. Um... Let's close then with a, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are indeed blessed that our salvation and all of the, the promises that are ours are not because we deserve them or because we've done anything to earn them, but help us to just recognize your love and the grace that you have for us as, as children of yours. We thank you for the blessings we have. Help us to faithfully use them in a way that is, that is pleasing to you as we respond to the love that you have shown us. We ask you to be with us now, be with us this coming week as we live a life reflecting your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.